Well, just with that bar- this barbecue today, again, we have the bus out there. So, you know, no excuses to not be able to come. And I say that with no pressure to you. But God said, buy 300 hamburgers, 200 hot dogs, and 200 ice cream cones from an ice cream truck. So there's a lot of food. So I'll go into the neighborhood and invite the neighbors in if people don't come. But, you know, if we, we just trust that God knows what he's doing with today. So uh, be there. It's going to be fun. Don't let the cloudy weather get to you, the building. It, it, isn't, it isn't a sit-down event because there's frankly too many of us to try to sit down. For those that need to sit down, we do have some tables and chairs and things like that set up, but we also can be outside. There's the basketball courts out there. There's a park right across the road. It's a great location for things. Parking is always an issue. So there's a road. The, the, the Lifehouse Center is bordered by Faulkner Drive, a road called Kinsman's Gate, and then another road called Urgentia. And you won't you find, find a little bit of parking on Faulkner, or, but there's also Kinsman's Gate on the other side of Urgentia turns into a road called Campobello. You can park all along there, and it's literally like bordering the building. So don't worry about parking. Uh, and just and it's going to be an amazing time together today. Well, so we have people from Oak City Church today with us. Their building was going through some repairs, so they joined us today. Do you guys want to stand up? Welcome. Great having you here today. Oak City Church is in Oakville. It's in the Oakville, the uh, basically QEW, Trafalgar Road area. They meet at 9.30 on Sunday mornings. And, uh, you know, if you ever have a Sunday, you want to go there and encourage them, go and encourage them on a Sunday morning. Just go and show up. The details would be on their website, oakcity.ca. Is it oakcity.church? oakcity.church. But, you know, do. Go and encourage them. Steve and Melissa came from South Africa a couple of years ago to, to plant Oak City Church, and, and they've faithfully been going for it there, and they've got an amazing group of people. It's an amazing church. It's a pleasure to have you guys with us this morning. We um, have been talking about blessing. We've been talking about a number of different things, and, and for this morning, uh, God just told me to talk to you, tell you a bit of a story of my summer and uh, kind of the background story of some of the things that I've been talking about with us today or, or with us over the last couple of months. And so at the beginning of the summer in June, I, I was supposed to go to this conference in Toronto and I didn't want to go. I was literally sitting in the parking lot. It was a free conference. I was getting a hotel room paid for by the, the people. It was put on the Billy Graham Association. But I had so much going on. I was exhausted. I didn't want to. I, I'm an introvert. The idea of being with a bunch of people I don't know is not a pleasant experience for me. It's a scary experience for me. And so I'm just like, I don't want to do this. And I'm, I'm, I'm in the parking lot of this hotel. You know, and I'm supposed to be going in and I'm on the phone to Lee and I'm, I'm just a little anxious and I'm just going, I, I just want to drive home. I don't want to go in. And she's like, you know, we talking. She's like, I don't really know what to say. And I'm like, I know I'm not looking for answer for you. I'm going to go and drive around the block and ask God what I should do. And so that's what I did. I went and drove around the block and I asked God what I should do. And he's like, I want you there. So I'm like, okay, I will go. And, and when I was there, it was a good experience connected with a number of different people. And, and one of those people was a business person that also leads a church. His name's Derek. I can't pronounce his name or last name correctly, but he's running actually right now as, as a mayor, mayoral candidate here in the city of Mississauga. 
He's a Christian business guy. He's been running, and he also runs his, his, has a, a church that he has been running for years out of his business in Mississauga. And he was there, and he's talking to me. He goes, you know, I, I just, I've been feeling to talk to you about business, you know, about starting a business. And one of the things that's been a, a huge pressure on Lee and I for, you know, most of ministry is, is finance. And, you know, you don't go into leading a church to become rich. And not that I have any desire to be rich, but the reality for Lee and I, it's like, well, our old age is going to be as dependent on God as our daily life is dependent on God. There's no pension plan. There's no long-term plan. There's a life laid down for Jesus, you know? And the, the, so that, that was something that has been for a number of different reasons weighing on me. And so this seemed good. I mean, talking to him, I talked to Lee. I'm like, I think this is an answer to something. And so we start exploring it and we explore the idea with him. I meet with him a couple of times and it was, and it was good, but I'm like, ah, oh, there's something in here that's not right. So then I'm talking to another friend and that friend's like, well, actually, you know, and I've talked to him about business ideas before and, and he's like, well, why don't you, you know, adjust the idea this guy's talking to you about and do this. I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. I'm going to do that. And so I start exploring it. And, and to be honest with you, each one of my vocations this year, I spent like learning how to do business. You know, my, we'd go, we went away to a friend's cottage. We went away um, with my brother's family and, and I would go to the coffee shop in town and work and, and, you know, come back and enjoy the family after. Cause I'm like, I, you know, I feel like there's something in here I need to learn. And uh, it was really good experience. And I learned a lot from it. And I was really, it was like, okay, God, I think this is what you want me to do. And, you know, for me, I'm a very wholehearted person. And because I felt like, okay, this is what God is wanting. I'm like, okay, I'm a hundred percent get behind it. But I was struggling because in, in, in private moments, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have to do this. And I'm a bit angry that I'm having to do it. I'm angry at the circumstances. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, something feels not right. And, but I like, you know, that could, I don't know, is that God? Is it me? I thought this was, so just keep following what I understand God is saying. And so I followed along and I get to a place where I've got a really important meeting with someone that's like, uh, they're going to provide funding for what's going to happen and all this kind of stuff. And, and we're having that meeting and we're talking about stuff and, and it's a good friend and uh, someone I really admire, really appreciate. And we're talking about things and, and we get to the place where he's like, well, you're, you're not giving up church, right? I'm like, no, I, I can't. It's like, you know, and I, he's like, so it's not like you're going to be primarily doing the business and, and the church will be on the side. I'm like, no, I, I know I'm not called to do that. And like, okay, well then we need to find, you know, in order for this to move forward, X, Y, Z has got to happen. And, and the details don't matter. I just knew I couldn't make that happen. And I actually walked out of that meeting with this huge sense of relief. I'm like, okay. You know, there's a door. And I guess another piece that I should say to this is that as I was on this journey, two people that I know here for God really clearly gave me really strong words about why are you doing this? And one of them was actually through Steve and Melissa, a friend they had in from South Africa that, that uh, was visiting. And I, we, we connected at a barbecue and he's part of the NCMI apostolic team, but he's primarily a business guy. And so he knows business well. And I'm talking to him and he goes, why are you doing this? Like literally, it's like, wouldn't it make more sense, you know, to, to, that your things would grow in the church and, and not, and not be, you know, you focused on business. 
And I'm like, yeah, but you know, this is what I think God's saying. And frankly, at the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but I need to figure out the financial thing and, and move forward. And, and as I was going through this process and as I was having different doubts, God started speaking to me about something I was talking to all of you about. And that was that if we disciple one person a year for the next 11 years, we'll reach a million people. And that thing grabbed my heart. Like I tell you, the idea of starting a business or reaching a million people, there's no comparison for that for me. It's like one, I'll give my life to the other one. I will not. And I'm not saying if you're called to business, that's I'm saying for me, how God's wired me, how he's called me. And I'm like, I know that there's something of God in this, but in my mind, that's awesome. I'm just going to do both. You know, I'll just do both. And yet when I'm in this meeting with my friend, I realize God's shutting a door, but I'm not sure, but I'm like, I'm actually excited that this door seems to be shutting. I'm actually feeling pretty good about that. And then I go the next day and I have a couple of different meetings and all kinds of doors on the church side open up. I have a church and an own sound going, hey, can you come and, and help us with something? Another thing opening up, another door opening up. And I'm like, there's no way I can go through all these doors and I can do over here. And in this journey, God just going, will you trust me? Yeah, you're right. You have no idea, you know, where the finances will come from. But will you trust me? Will you trust what I've called you to, that, that I will provide what's needed, that I can do that which is impossible? He would, use, he would use pictures for me out of the Old Testament about them facing the giants in the land. And he's like, are you going to give a good report about me? Are you going to allow your past to inform your present? Or will you trust what I'm saying to you and trust what it is that I'm going to do and I'm going to bring about? And, you know, honestly, that is something I could say yes to. God, I will trust you. I will trust you with what you want to bring about. And honestly, if like six months from now, God's like, here, I'm going to open up the door for that business idea again. And I want to do X, Y, Z. I'm like, okay, because I trust him. But what the thing was for me is I got to settle in the heart what God has called me to do, what he's asking of me. What he's asking of me is going to be different than you and different. Every one of us, there's something different he's asking of us for. But what has God asked of us and what are we giving our life to? And what are we afraid of? that's keeping us from fulfilling that thing. You see, when I talk to us about reaching a million people, it's not so we can build a church of a million. The truth is, here's the numbers. Well, actually, before I get there, I'll tell you the numbers in a second. What I realized is God led me through this process. One of the things that became really apparent to me, you see, was all these holes in how we structure things at LifeHouse. Lisa and Elio, who are uh, here there, Lisa is someone that got added to our community and who has been helping us just go, okay, well, how do you organize and structure things better? It's her specialty. She's been doing it for decades. She actually travels all around North America to different churches, helping them to structure things. And as I was going through this process, God starts showing me and I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty anti like structure. If you know me, you know, and I'm like, you know, and I frustrate some of the people around me because I'm like, it's just got to be family. And I, I never want anything that isn't family. I have no interest in the church being a business, right? It cannot be that. But what God talk, starts talking to me is like, hey, like, I'm a God of order. I'm a God that orders things. And your staff team better be ordered, you know? And the leadership better be ordered in how they're doing things. And we got biblical example after biblical example of that. And it finally came into my rather stubborn head. It's like, you need some order. 
And so if anything, if God took me through that journey was to go, hey, let me show you that there's a bit of order needed to things. And then when you have that order, what I can do. And so behind the scenes, we're putting in a bunch of different order so that we, you know, and, and that's, and it's been an amazing experience. It's been an incredible experience and it lets me go. It's actually possible when I say that if we can disciple one person a year and reach a million people over the next 11 years, that that actually is a doable thing. It's not just some weird dream. And again, when I say to you, it's not about building a big church. It's not about that at all. It's actually about planting, you know what the numbers are? 5,000 churches in 11 years. That's impossible, isn't it? But let me tell you, if you saw my bank account, if you knew how I've lived for the last 14 years, it's completely impossible that this church exists and that I'm still standing here. There is, the thing is that when we're talking about, you know, the God of the impossible, when we're singing about the miracles that God does, we need to actually believe that's who God is. Otherwise we reduce God to our own intellect and experience. And that's why Christianity is shrinking, not growing, right? It's why the church that's still, that world is still waiting for the sons and daughters of God to arise because we think that we need to control. We, or we want control. We want control. And do we don't actually trust God with our future and with our lives? We trust our employers, our paychecks. We entrust what we can see. We trust what we can do. And yet the example Jesus set for us was not to trust in that, but to trust in him and him alone. In him and him alone. That's not me saying you shouldn't have a job. It's not me saying you shouldn't work. But when I talk about planting 5,000 churches, what if all of you were called one day to plant a church? 5,000 churches in the next 11 years. Sounds crazy, I know. 5,000 churches in the next 11 years. How does that happen? By every single one of us deciding to disciple one person a year and teaching them to do the same. It means we reorder our priorities around the kingdom of God, not around our employers, not around our families, not around the, the, the different things the world says to us. It doesn't mean our families are not important. They've got to be the primary importance and the first thing we're discipling. But are we discipling our family to be on mission or to live for themselves? And that's really important. Because we should see it that our kids are discipling one person a year, that they're reaching one person a year. We should have a commitment that we are, that every member of our family is. I'm, not, I, and I'm saying this and it sounds like pressure. And I, I man, I want to tone that down because it's not pressure. Because it's not possible. But let me tell you about the last little bit. And I'm cautious to talk about it. How do I talk about it? So you know that Lifehouse started with if you know the story of Lifehouse starting, it started with a group of kids, 14, uh, 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 that I met when I used to run an outreach out of the building that we rent again now. And it started with these kids. And, uh, you know, if I go back and do it again, they, I would do it so differently than I did now, but it was how we started. And these, these 14, 15, 16-year-old kids started Lifehouse Church with a breakfast in my living room. And they all have scattered to different places. I actually get the privilege of marrying one of them next week, another one of them the week after. They all have very, are at various stages in their walk with God. But they started Lifehouse. Ah. 
don't know why I get emotional about this. And then um, over the summer, God sent another group of kids. And, uh, you know, to our building, just like them. And it's like, okay, you know, and it took years to build trust with that other group of kids. And we're watching God open up doors and build trust with this group of young people even faster. If your kids were at, at, at youth this Friday, like, and where it came back going, there were some scary looking people or something along those lines. These kids are not scary, but they, you know, sometimes they can look intimidating that were there, but they were there. They chose, they knew, they knew that it was going to be a Christian youth group meeting there that night and they choose, chose to come. And they participated in a small bit. But I, I fully believe they're going to be planting some of the churches that I talk of. And now, none of that is possible. If you know my schedule, it's absolutely impossible for me to have time to invest into the lives of these young people. And it keeps exponentially growing. I was expecting six to show up for, for dinner on Thursday and suddenly 15 showed up or something like that. You know... I can't bring that about. Only God could send those kids to do drugs behind the building and us to be able to reach them. You know, to be able to talk to them. But God knew that I'd be comfortable to sit amongst them because that's how God's wired me and because of my background working with youth that I would be comfortable to sit there in the middle of them while they smoke their weed and talk to them about God. Because that's how he's wired me. You know, stick me in a boardroom on Bay Street. I'm, you know, I'm not going to have a clue what to do. Stick me in your company where you work. I'm not going to know what to do, but he's wired you for that place. He's sent you to that place. And if you will not sit in the middle of that place and talk about Jesus, then what is the point of what we're doing? Let's just go home. Let's go home. If you're intimidated for that, if, to do that, I understand why. It's intimidating. It is scary for me. I sit there amongst these kids that I've worked with kids like this for a long period of time. It's actually been like 10 years since I've done it, but it was easy, like super easy for me before. But I sit there and the enemy tells me everything. It's like, you're 48 years old. You know, you're like, you know, da, 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 da. It tells me all the reasons why I shouldn't do it. And, and yet then God reminds me that his heart and that he cares about these people. And God loves all the people around you because he died for all of them. He died for every single one of the people that you interact with on every single day. And if God's put you there, he's put you there with a purpose. He's put you there so that you can be the light there. Do not put a bushel basket over that, can't, that light but you, you are a light. If you're a doctor, you're a light in that office. When the Holy Spirit prompts you, regardless of the regulations, you speak. I break the rules all the time with these kids. You know, listen, I broke our policies with these kids. You know, because, you know, and, and I mean, I'm not bragging about that. I'm saying that you have policies and there's sometimes where God says, do this and you do it. Because you're responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know? Alex broke his policies with these kids, calling him out, you know, by having them come to, when we, because you know what happened with these kids? I'll tell you this story. It's really important because God's on this because these kids may be there today and, and love them. If you see them, trust me, they'll stand out. You might smell them before, not with a bad smell, you know, of a legal substance, a substance that's legal now that they're, they're amazing kids. 
They're these amazing kids. I love them, you know? And you've got all these amazing people around you that you probably love, you probably care about, the colleagues, people at work, stuff along these lines. So the story with this is how God opened this door. Because not only, it wasn't just that they were doing, hanging out behind the building. They actually were hanging out in my complex. And I'm on the board of directors at my complex. And people were in a meeting and they were all angry. And they're like, we want to get these kids arrested and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, just let me go out and talk to them. So I went out and talked to them back in June. And I'm like, well, guys, we have this program on Friday night. I had no idea what to do with them. I had no idea anything. I'm just like, guys, we have something on Friday nights. So why don't you come out? Don't come this Friday because we have a leaders meeting. There's no youth. But you know, the following Friday, come on out. So we're there in the middle of a leaders meeting. And the door opens. And suddenly, all these kids walk in. <laughs> you know, Steve Wilkins was with us. It was like we're literally in the middle of a ministry time. So we just stop. We stop. And we, we feed the Alex goes, he was there, he goes and starts talking to them. And, and we, we made it about them for the next 30 minutes. We fed them, we had a bunch of dessert there, we gave them food, we, we, we prayed for them. If they let us pray for us, we let them say, let us pray for us, them. Or, can't speak, a couple of them, let us pray for them. And Alex built a connection with them. They said, hey, come to volleyball. We're doing volleyball in the next week or two. And two of them came, you know, and they came and played volleyball. You know, and then from there, we started opening up other doors, you know, and, and yeah, it was an experience for volleyball, to say the least, you know, <laughs> Alex is laughing, but, um, you know, then we, uh, yeah, we took that step, and then the next step that God said, and the next step that God said, and I share this with you, not to be like, oh, look what I did with these kids, to go, if I can do that, and if you saw my schedule, you'd go, there's absolutely no way I have time to do that, then you can do that with whoever God's put in your life. But it means you've got to take risks. It means you've got to put yourself out there. It means you've got to be able to be okay with being rejected. The first time I started talking about the Holy Spirit, one of them manifested and they all ran out of the room when I talked about God talking. I'm like, well, that didn't go so well. But you'd open up the door for the next conversation and the next conversation and the next conversation and now we can have these conversations. Don't let one rejection get you to run away. Don't let the idea like, that God may call you to lead a church scare you. But start with the one. You know, I'm leading a church today because I said yes to a group of kids, you know, 14, 15 years ago, however long it was, 2007, when the church we were in wouldn't accept them. And so we opened up our house to them. I said to the leaders the other night, I'm like, guys, don't make me start another church. You know, because we tried to invite these kids into the youth group at the church we were in before and people were freaked out and like that, by that group of kids. And so we had to start, our, we had to start another church. Well, it's a longer story than that, obviously. But, you know, the world is a messy, scary place with a lot of people hurting and in pain. It doesn't matter whether they're putting on a suit, whether they're sitting behind a screen, what job they're doing, where they're at. There's a world that needs Jesus. They don't know. And they, the problem is the world has this completely wrong impression of who Jesus is. They don't know the love of God. They don't understand that Jesus died for them already. They don't understand that, that the love of God is what leads them to repentance. They don't understand that God loves them. And, and we have got to be a people that love. 
our first response can't be to try to control. Our first response can't be, well, when you conform to the way I think you should be, I'll love you. One of the things that we will talk about as a community, and not, it probably won't be in the couple, next couple of months, but in the next year, you know, what are we going to do? Because it's going to happen, and we need to be able to love when God sends people here that have had sex changes. When God sends, you know, for the stat, someone was telling me the stat is that in the Gen Z population, so those that are like under, in their early 20s and under, 40% of them now, because of the way our system is, identify as somewhere on the spectrum of, of what they call queer. What are we going to say 40% of people can't come to church to know Jesus? Are we going to be okay with accepting people where they're at and helping them on a journey to come to know God? Or do we say, well, when you've got it together, come in. Are we okay with that mess? Are you okay if someone comes in and sits beside you and they smell of alcohol or they smell of drugs? You know, and being okay with that person coming to know Jesus. You know, going, hey, I'm going to love you, you know, that, until you know Jesus. Are we okay with the mess? Because if we're not, then we're never going to achieve what I'm talking about. We'll never reach a million people. And the God's plan for the, you know, we can talk and we can pray. I, I loved it. Some quote I used a week or two ago, I think it was last week, where it's like, it was, it's not a quote, it's from scripture. It's the message version of, I'd have to go back to it, where, where it was saying basically, look, God doesn't want you to attend another prayer meeting. He wants you to know him. Right? And there's too many meetings where people are just like, oh, God, do this, do that, do that, do the other. And God's like, will you just do what I've asked you to do? Will you just do what I've asked you to do? You see, Jesus gave us a really clear commission. He said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, that when Jesus came to his disciples just before he ascended to heaven, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The nations have come to us. You are the nations. And yet, and we live in a city where the nations have come to us. We live in a city where you cannot get killed for preaching the gospel to people that come from places where you would get killed for telling them about Jesus. You may work with some of those people. You know, I, I, I use the reference of, of drugs or alcohol. Are we, we, are we okay with people coming with, with, that are coming from different faiths? That, yeah, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, you name it. They would come like, I, I don't get this, but I, but I want to be here and journey with those people because they're drawn by the love of God. They're drawn by something different. They're drawn by you. And I'm saying here, people aren't just going to show up. We use Google. The people that come from Google are people that are Christians, right? It's rarely a non-Christian is looking on Google for a church. It does happen. We have a few people that have come in that way, but most of the time it's people that have moved to the area, moved to the country, and they're looking for a church. The only way you're going to reach those other people, the only way we reach people is actually by loving them. The love of God leads people to repentance. It's the love of God. The love of God reads people to repentance. Look at Jesus. All you've got to look at is Jesus. If you ever see Jesus angry, if you ever see Jesus rebuking, 
He's rebuking people that have religious ideas that are preventing those that, uh, from coming to him. He's rebuking our religious way of thinking that goes, I am somehow better than that person. That God loves me more than he loves them. When you go to work and you see everyone there, know that God loves every single one of those people, regardless of their faith that they're practicing right now, regardless of, of you know, the lifestyle that they're living. God loves them, and he wants them to know you. you know, if you're in school, all those kids in your class, in your kids' class, God loves them. I say one person a year, because that's not a pressure, is it? You know, Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, you know, I will give you rest. We've heard over this last year about the rest of God and the love of God and how the importance that we live from a place of rest in Christ. Here's the amazing thing, though, with that. I am busier right now than I've ever been, and it's been a good three months of that, but I'm at rest in Jesus. You know, I was saying to a friend, I was saying to Steve, I think, you know, several times this week I've slept three hours a night. Because I'm waking up going, oh my gosh, this has got to be done. We've run a youth barbecue. Right now, I'm the youth leader, the young adult leader, and I lead the church. We have an amazing youth team. We've got amazing young adults. But at the end of the day, at the moment, the buck stops with me and Lee. So there is a lot of stuff going on. When you hear of a barbecue, that's <laughs> there's a lot of barbecues we're doing right now. There's a lot of other things. There's also a bunch of churches I'm connecting with. There's a pile of other stuff. I'm, I'm saying all this to you, and then... And the thing that's, and I'm doing, and I'm connecting with these kids a couple of times a week. We're doing more as a church than we've ever done in our history at this moment in time, but we're actually doing it from an amazing place of rest and peace. And that's how we're to live. And so when I say to you, you know, when I tell you about Man, I won't even tell you my 20-year number. God gave me a 20-year number, and I'll tell you another time. But just, you know, keep doing the multiplication of doubling every year. I can't do that, and I have no intention of trying. I, I know that I do not have the ability to bring about this thing. I can't force you. I don't want to force you. I'm not going to force anybody. I can envision you. I can encourage you that we would reach one person a year. I can encourage us that, that it's actually possible that we would plant 5,000 churches in the next 11 years, as impossible as that might seem. But none of it can happen without God. And if, God, if this is James's idea and not God's idea, it won't happen. And I'm okay with that. And if you know me well enough, if in 11 years from now I'm standing here repenting that I was wrong, I will be doing that. You know? Or if I've seen in part, as we so often see. But I, I know God's heart in this. So whether it's 50 or 5,000, I know that we're called to change this nation. We're called to change this world. That is why we are Christians. If we want to see the politics of the country change, if you want to see the policies of the country change, there's really only one way to do that, and that is to share the love of God. Share the love of God. Dallas Willard, an amazing quote, and I'll wrap with this, where he's like, he does, he goes, I don't understand why when God gives Christians free will, when God's given all mankind free will, Christians spend all their time trying to pass laws to take away people's free will. 
as if somehow us passing a law is what God wants. When it didn't work in the Old Testament and he had to send Jesus, why are we looking for the Old Testament solution? Why not give people Jesus instead of a law? Laws are not going to be what changes this world. Politics is not what's going to save the world. The government is not going to be what saves the world. It's Jesus Christ alone. And his church picking up their cross daily and following him, regardless of the cost, regardless of what it is that we would follow him. Isn't that exciting? And may we be excited by this, that we would, you know... You see these people that have opened up their homes and their lives to life groups. If you go and join one of their life groups, but a year from now, start your own, please. I'm sorry, that's me begging. It's not begging, but have a vision of that. You know, go and join one of these with the intention that a year from now, you'll be starting your own because you've been reaching these different people. You know? And... Uh, let me bless you. And we'll wrap up so we can get to this barbecue. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for people like Steve and Melissa and those that have joined with them, that, that have laid down their lives to, to come here and, and, you know, they moved to this country to plant a church and to see your kingdom advance. I thank you for others here that you've called with those purposes. I thank you for Coyote and his family, even though they're not here today, who you've called here to come and plant a church. And, and Lord, I bless everyone here. May they not hear anything I say as a pressure, but may they see it as a calling and an invitation into the kingdom of God for your kingdom purposes. I bless them, God. I bless their time. I bless their finances. I bless their mind and I, Lord, may you, may your, well, I don't need to ask you for that. I know you want your power to flow through us. God, would you expose whatever, whatever beliefs, whatever spiritual hindrances there are in our lives to your power flowing freely through us? And Lord, may we have, would you expose what robs our courage to share you and Lord, may we grow in our understanding of how wide and deep your love is so that we can share that love with the world around us. Thank you for this amazing group of people that you've brought here. And Lord, I thank you for all those you're going to bring to them and that they would see and say yes to those that, that you send to them to disciple. Amen. Amen. I just, I had this picture while he was talking of, of a little child, you know, holding, reaching and holding his parents' hand and, and walking forward. And I think, you know, these challenges and these stories that we've heard today really inspire us to take that journey of trust with the Lord, with what he's put in front of us. But to do so, we're going to need to hold our father's hand. <laughs> so let's do that. Um, so just a reminder, at 12, let's see what time it is right now. Oh, yeah. We got a while to chat and hang out in the back. There's coffee and cookies at the back. And at 12 o'clock, there's going to be a bus through this door right here uh, to take you if, if you don't have a car. Yeah, because it's not going to bring you back. Okay, it's going to take you there.
for the barbecue. Um, don't forget to pick up your children. We don't want to keep them, <laughs> even though we love them. Um, if you need any help uh, getting to that bus or getting um, to our barbecue, you can speak to Sunette. She'll be, there she is, way over there. Hi, Sunette. Um, she will be over here around noon, okay, with the bus. Thank you for being with us today. It's been a pleasure to have you. We hope to get to know you a little bit better at the back with our coffee and cookies. Have a great day.